0: the cyber hub bunker in studio you're tuning in to the cyber hub podcast and now for your host and CISO, james azar well good morning security gang welcome to another exciting episode of the cyber hub podcast i hope everyone is having a great start to their week tuesday august 1st 2023 who would have thunk it to the fact that we're in august If you thought we were going to be in August, I'd be, I'd be really surprised. But you know what that means? That means we're a week away from Black Hat, literally a week away from Black Hat. Next week, I'll be in Vegas with a lot of my peers. And so with that being said, we are doing something really special at the podcast, uh, at Black Hat this year for the podcast called the Podcast Jam Session. It's hosted by myself and the magnificent Danny Wolf of Audience First Podcast. Really an awesome opportunity. We're looking we've got two more partner spots still available so i'm just going to play a quick video for all of y'all to enjoy then we're going to come back toast our espressos and get the show going because it's a packed one don't go anywhere here we go y'all so also due to popular demand the dates are now 8th 9th and 10th so just be mindful of that um we, we've got uh three partners on boarded already two two remaining uh, uh spots remain available so Anyone interested, please reach out to me or, or the Magnificent Danny Wolf. We'll help you get through this. We've made it a simple process. All you need to do is really show up. We'll take care of all the rest for all of y'all. So that's it for our uh, Black Hat promo for this morning. And thank you all for bearing with me. And now without further ado, join me for our double espresso to power through this morning's show because it's a woozy. Coffee cup cheers, y'all. Always feel free to put your drinks in the comments. I'm always curious to know what what, what people on the other end of the screen are drinking. We'll start with criminals stealing signal and WhatsApp user data with a fake Android chat app. And Google just can't seem to shake this. The Android spyware is suspected to be a variant of the Cover, uh, lem, which steals data from communication apps such as Telegram, Signal, WhatsApp, Viper, and Facebook Messenger. Cypherma researchers say the Indian APT group uh, Bahimut is behind the campaign with their latest attacks conducted mainly through spear phishing messages on WhatsApp. That send the malicious payloads directly to the victims. So this is a highly targeted operation. Cyber analysts highlighted several TTP similarities to another Indian state-sponsored threat group, the Do Not APT or APTC35, that has previously infested Google Play with fake chat apps acting as spyware. Late last year, ESET also reported that the Behemoth group was using a fake VPN app for the Android platform that included extensive spyware functions. While Cyfirma doesn't delve into the specifics of the social engineering aspect of the attack, it's common for victims to be persuaded into installing a chat app under the pretext of transitioning the conversation a more secure platform. Red flag. Number one, analysts report that the safe chat features uh, a, a very <laughs> deceiving interface that makes it appear as a real chat app. So there's that for all of y'all there as well. And then it uses an excellent cover to become spyware. And again, this is purely targeting, um, android devices so um keep that in mind right the, the reason they're targeting android devices is because android gives them the possibility that there's literally something i'm about to talk about here in just a few stories just on that so there's there's that if you're in uh using redis you may want to be paying attention to this specific uh campaign that's going on threat actors are actively targeting exposed instances of ssh and redis Redis open source data store with a peer to peer self replicating worm with versions for both Windows and Linux. And the malware's author has named it P2P. In fact, it's written in Rust, which is a language that's really kind of being promoted a lot by the national security apparatus as something that's a bit more secure. The malware relies on at least two methods to establish foothold a critical vulnerability disclosed and patched last year, and a feature that allows the replicating of the main database for high availability and the counter failover scenarios. P2P was initially uh, documented by researchers over at Unit 42 at Palo Alto Networks, who found it to be exploiting uh, the, minima, the maximum severity vulnerability track, the CVE-2022-0543. We talked about that last year. The security problem was a Debian-specific Loa sandbox escape vulnerability due to a packaging issue that allows remote code execution with a critical severity score of a 10 out of 10. After compromising a vulnerable Redis Instance with the initial payload, P2P infect downloads a new OS specific script and malicious binary adds it to the server uh, to its list of infected systems. The malware then adds the infected server to its peer to peer network so the future compromised Redis servers can access the bundle of malicious payloads. There's also been a ton of analysis around this. Cato Security did a deep dive into this and they found that the primary payload is an ELF binary. It's written in a combination of C and Rust, but that ultimately executes the Rust component of the payload. After execution, the binaries updates the SSH configuration of the host, modifies the OpenSSH server configuration to a near-default state that allows the attacker to connect to the server via secure shell protocol and enables password authentication. So there's a whole bunch of ways to know uh, and and see what happens there, but obviously you've got to keep your eye out for it. Share this with your security operations team. Set some alerts in place through uh, an NDR product and monitor that network performance. Now we'll go to Android. So remember just the story before how the uh, Indian APT is is putting out apps. Well, the Android patch gap is making end days as dangerous as zero days. Google has published its annual zero-day vulnerability report presenting the the in-the-wild exploitation stats from 2022. They're highlighting a long list of standing problems in the Android platform that I consider to be an unacceptable risk to the business. And I say that because you have no control over it. In the byod environment you have even less control and then what happens right and and here's the thing google hasn't figured out the balance between you know kind of giving you security and giving you free uh and, and open source products and so what we end up having to do is spend a lot of money on mdm uh solutions to try to manage containers of data where we know that those containers aren't foolproof. So we're trying to minimize our risk and and increase productivity. But at the same time, we're introducing significant risk to our organization. So, you know, Google warns that attackers can use end days to attack unpatched devices for months. They're using known exploitation methods or devising their own, despite a patch already being made available by Google or another vendor. This is caused by patch gaps. So, yeah, we, we know all about patch gaps where a week away from patch Tuesday or a few weeks away from patch Tuesday here. Like there's, there's significant challenges with with what's going on here specifically. And it, it's, it's a worthy conversation to have from a risk perspective, especially as we kind of, you know, the new workplace has already been figured out, right. We're in the office three to four days a week. People still work remotely. A lot of companies have switched it that full remote mode. And then, you know, those quarterly get togethers. And so we've really lost control not only over endpoints but also over devices and so this is really significant because this essentially shows the risk that android platforms present to the business and something that needs to be addressed we'll move to our second uh, our fourth story this morning and this is the number of ransomware attacks that are targeting industrial organizations and infrastructures have doubled since the second quarter of last year according to data from Cybersecurity firm Dragos. In a report analyzing data from the second quarter of 2023, Dragos said it saw 253 ransomware incidents, up 18% from the first quarter of, of this year when it observed a total of 214 attacks. The company saw 189 ransomware incidents in the last quarter of 2022, which was a 30% increase from the 128 incidents in the third quarter of 2022. So you, you're kind of seeing this kind of going the long way. Um, you know, there was a drop at one point. The number dropped for, to 125 from 158 in the first quarter. That drop was attributed to the shutdown of the Conti operation that has since been revamped. Dragos has also blamed the surge in attacks on ransomware revenue plunging in 2022 as more victims refused to pay up. Dragos assessed with moderate confidence that the third quarter of this year will witness increased business impacting ransomware attacks against industrial organizations for two reasons. Firstly, the prevailing political tension between NATO countries and Russia. motivating russia-aligned ransomware groups to continue and target and disrupt critical infrastructure in nato countries secondly as the number of victims willing to pay ransom diminishes ransomware as a service groups have shifted their focus towards much larger organizations resorting to widespread ransomware distribution attacks to sustain their revenue so you kind of see the list there and you obviously can see more uh through the links on our website and in the show notes a nation state actor with links to china suspected of being behind a series of attacks targeting industrial control organizations in Eastern Europe that took place last year to siphon data stored on air gap networks. Kaspersky attributed the intrusion with medium to high confidence to a crew called APT-31, also known as Judgment Panda. The attacks entailed the use of more than 15 different distinct implants and their variants broken down into three broad categories based on their ability to establish persistence, remote access, gather sensitive information and transmit the collected data to actor controlled infrastructure one of the implant types appear to be a sophisticated modular malware aimed at uh, profiling removable drives and contaminating them with a worm to exfiltrate data from isolated or air gap networks of industrial organizations in eastern europe and if you're wondering why china would do this the belt and road initiative 2.0 for china It's critical in order to get to europe and eastern europe's in the way and so they're trying to get a hold of that critical infrastructure they want to be the saviors after they bring it down so so mind you and they also want to be monitoring that usage to see just exactly what those capabilities are um never discount china's ability to do espionage never ever and some good news uh for those practitioners here amongst us the Biden administration on Monday rolled out its first-ever national cyber workforce and education strategy, announcing a series of generational investments to address immediate and long-term cyber workforce workforce needs. The new strategy tra- is seeking to transform cyber education in K-12 schools, community colleges, and technical schools, invest in teachers and cyber education systems, and make training more accessible and affordable. Filling the hundreds and thousands of cyber job vacancies across our nation is a national security imperative, according to a strategy document that highlighted multiple private public sector spending initiatives. The strategy's position to empower every American seeking to participate in our digital ecosystem and underscores the critical need to fill a vast number of vacant cyber jobs. Many community, communities currently under, underrepresented in the cyber workforce do not envision themselves in cyber jobs or are not aware of the tremendous opportunity to join the support and growing workforce workforce. The strategy focuses on empowering Americans to pursue their career path in cyber. So some money coming through. This is obviously going to be significant. Is it going to solve the problem today? No, but hey, maybe our kids will start to learn something actually meaningful in school. Yes, I said it. I said it. You can quote me on it. Section 702 of the surveillance powers that the F is necessary. However, FBI access needs limits, according to a congressional panel. So there's a controversial law, Section 702, that essentially allowed the FBI to really surveil Americans through what we call a FISA, uh, Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act. Um, The president's intelligence advisory board singled out the FBI because of disclosures of a handful of specific cases in which bureau personnel overstepped while using the program, mainly because... FISA is a closed-door hearing. There's no validation. And by the way, when they lie, there's no consequences to it. I've yet to see an FBI agent or an attorney general uh, or or, or a state attorney or a federal attorney uh, or a U.S. attorney actually be charged with lying on FISA warrants. Um, And there's an issue with that. So, you know, there is a national security case to be made for Section 702 but it it does allow them to actually capture emails, text messages, and other digital information about foreigners without a warrant, but they did use it against Americans. We know for a fact they used it uh, against the the previous president's administration um, through some of the reports that have come out since then. The board emphasizes that the the three previously identified incidents of intentional misconduct are uh, from among millions of FBI queries, um, although um, we'll see how this plays down. Congress is really pushing back against the renewal of 702. It will get renewed. The question is how much teeth um, and oversight will Congress have over the FBI and over the FISA court when this happens? And this is significant, again, because our right to privacy as cyber uh, professionals, we aim to secure our organizations. We aim to ensure that our data is private. We also understand that there's inherent risk in cooperation with some of these uh, federal law enforcement agencies we want to be their partners but there's got to be some sense of oversight and there's a lot of that where you're getting a lot of pushback from legal about cooperating with the uh, fbi at the moment so you know this is kind of going to be one of those where we'll see how this kind of comes through at the end and we'll see what congress comes up with so there's that that's it for our show this morning we'll be back tomorrow live right here at 9 a.m eastern on your favorite platforms like YouTube, and LinkedIn, and Twitter, and Twitch, and Rumble, and Facebook, and so many others. Make sure to check us out on your favorite podcast listening platform. Thank you all for tuning in. Have a great rest of your day, and most importantly, y'all, stay cyber safe. We love feedback, so make sure to connect with us on social media and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform.